Hey, just a quick note before we get started on this week's episode. Yes, I am doing a lot of these intros <laughs> recently, but that's the nature of doing remote recordings. Something always goes wrong. There's always an explanation required, uh, an overly long explanation usually. So apologies in advance for that. But so, maybe you clicked on this episode and thought, wait a minute, but last week... For the first time in years, you actually told us what episode you were going to do next at the end of the previous episode. And here you are, <laughs> not not sticking to your word and putting up another episode. Yes, we said last week that Deep Impact would be our next episode. And it was going to be, and we've actually recorded it, so it will be our next episode. On that same episode last week, the Andromeda Strain episode, we also uh, referenced the fact that we had recorded an episode on The Stand, Stephen King's The Stand, specifically the CBS TV adaption, that never went up because there were so many audio problems. Uh, So basically I figured, now that we'd actually mentioned that, and it kind of relates to, you know, the whole viral angle from the Andromeda Strain, I might as well put that episode up first plus funnily enough the deep impact episode had a bunch of sound problems as well so it's going to take me feckin ages to fix that too so this just makes more sense so this is an episode recorded in march i think very early march that just was a disaster and took me ages to clean up the main problem with it was that we actually halfway through well not halfway through when we finished the episode we realized we actually lost an entire uh, block of recording so an hour of the episode wasn't actually recorded it didn't save to the service we use so we pretty much just had to like go in again and kind of try and pretend to just still be fresh and it kind of it didn't really work out you'll actually even hear in the latter half of this episode, we keep referring to, like Shane will mention it to me, like, oh, you said it to me before, how? And he'll make some point. But he'll phrase it like a, it's a text conversation we had unrelated to the episode. What we're actually, when, when you hear us doing that, what we're actually referring to is the lost hour <laughs> of the episode. But anyway, yeah, it's a, it's a good episode. It's more of a just a review of the CBS show of The Stand, to be honest. we A lot of the, like, we got into the sort of nitty-gritty, I guess, of The Stand. But that was in the, the recording that was lost. And it's kind of, it's hard to recapture that stuff, you know, to just pretend you're talking about that fresh. So we kind of had a new conversation in the latter half. So yeah, it's it, it's a, it's a absolutely fine episode. I I, I don't want to shit on the episode right from the get go, but I say at some point in the future we will revisit the stand and actually get more into us in that world rather than just like kind of reviewing the TV show. I just wanted to uh, keep getting the content out there because we we've been doing pretty well. We've been pretty consistent for us anyway with episodes and that brings me to my next point and i hope you haven't skipped this intro because 
I know we said last week that it would be the last time we'd uh, we'd uh, beg you to uh, go and vote for us in the My Roadcast contest. But it turns out the voting does not end until the 7th of this month, the 7th of July 2021. So this actually is good timing. We get a, a, a last plea out there. Please, if you're listening to this and you haven't voted yet, or you have and you have another way to vote a second time or third time, fourth time, I'm not going to ask. But if you can vote for us, please, please uh, click the link in the description. Head over to my roadcast, uh, hit vote, sign in to either Google or Facebook, whatever, and just vote for us. We were doing so well. We were like, I think we were sixth in the in the the leaderboard at one point. We've dropped all the way down to like page four. I think technically we'd be like number sixty now. Uh, we we needed a couple of hundred votes, I think, to uh, be back be back with a shot. Uh, so yeah, it would really help. This is definitely going to be the last time I'll ask because they've actually. Wow, that sounded like <laughs> that sounded really passive aggressive, didn't it? This is going to be the last time I ask. I didn't mean it like that. This will just be the last time I ask because it's going to be over next week. But it would be cool to win. But anyway, I'll leave it at that. Please vote. Uh, we'll be back next week with Deep Impact. Might be a bit late because it again it might require a lot of post work to clean up the audio and yeah enjoy welcome back to the survival podcast for people who take movies too seriously we survived the apocalypse so you don't have to he's shane uh, he's Johnny. <laughs> that catches me every time. And this week uh, we are, we, this week we are living in a global pandemic, but it hasn't really affected us. But uh, I am starting to have these weird dreams of an old, an old sweet black lady playing guitar on her porch. Oh, that's funny because I was having dreams of this guy dressed all in black in the desert. <laughs> Yellow eyes. He, he told me I could make all my dreams come true. He said something about I was the one. I could be his prince. You are uh, going towards and away from the mic quite a bit there. Oh, sorry. Okay. Didn't yeah. If you can keep it a bit in front of you, or maybe it might be easier if you yeah. move uh, you move yourself left a bit, maybe. Patreon subscribers might be able to see video of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yeah, that sounds, sounds yeah. great now. Sorry. I say that, but I'm sure in the edit I'll be like, oh, this sounds awful. <laughs> but yeah, so th- this week, uh, uh, in case people half and copped from the intro or the title of the episode we are covering stephen king's the stand or i guess more specifically the the recent cbs uh miniseries yeah which is what you've seen and like it's a close enough adaption that it takes like the main stuff from the book but yeah uh, anybody who's read the book or seen really either versions of the show will get this episode but uh, if you haven't read or seen the stand you probably you need to go and do one of them before listening to this episode because it's impossible to talk about it in like vague terms yeah there's no way the like first the sort of general idea of like the first act is about all you could talk about yeah um i was listening to 
about this time last year, I started listening to The Stand on Audible. Um, hmm. It's a really good adaption and like read by, what's his name? Grover Gardner. And he's so good at it. And he does all like, he does all the voices and accents and like, um, and he's fantastic at it. And then things started to get too real here. And then I was like on public transport wearing a mask going to work and <laughs> just got basically for my mental health. It just didn't seem very enjoyable to listen to anymore. And I ended up just started listening to some other books where now I'm kind of, I think I'm now that I've watched the, this, this mini series, I'm kind of, Oh no, I want to, I want to listen to it again. Cause, but it's really long. It's such a big book. As you were saying there, like you've read it and it's, yeah, I'm, I've, I'm on chapter 29 and there's 37 hours, 52 minutes left on the audible book. And I've listened to about six or seven hours, I think at this stage already. <laughs> and, um, but I think it's one of those things I'm just going to start listening to now, like while I'm working and I'll get through it in like a week or two. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. I've heard it's a very good audiobook, the audible version. It's very good. Well, I don't know if that's, is that an audible, like, is that version they recorded themselves um, or is it, I wonder, is it the, the one that, you know, was released on book on tape back, back in yeah, the Yeah, I'm not sure. It Like, I'm looking at the title card. It just says, um, an epic thriller from the number one best-selling writer, The Stand, Stephen King, and then it's unabridged, read by Grover Gardner. That's it. That's it's funny it how they, they always describe stuff like that as a thriller. And like it's certainly a thriller in the fact that like it's thrilling, I guess, or it's got thriller elements, but it it is definitely just like a post apocalyptic horror novel. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they do that the whole time with like twenty eight days later is a thriller. Or a, I think they call it, they tried to mark that as viral thriller rather than call it a zombie movie. The viral thriller. <laughs> yeah. But that's really funny because nowadays that has a totally different meaning yeah like it went viral or something you know but even like stuff like like silence of the lamb psychological thriller it's i guess it kind of is but it's silence of the lamb's just a fucking horror movie yeah they just they wanted to get an oscar so so they had to call it something else um like it's a suspense thriller in a way but i know what you mean yeah, it is kind of it's just a very good horror movie but that's what i find with a lot of horror movies like the good ones tend to be on more of the thriller genre you know what i mean they're kind of probably because but they have more story and more character to them so then you I, think of it that way i feel like a trip but maybe there's a misconception of what a thriller is then because to me a thriller is more mystery yeah okay yeah yeah i suppose like there's no mystery to sansa the lambs like you know who the killer is you see him yeah you follow him as much as you follow everybody else like there's no real now it's tense, to, especially like that third act. Yeah. But I don't feel like it. It, it really fit. I, to me. A thriller is Gone Girl. Oh yeah, it's a, it's like a whodunit. It's you yeah. don't know. You only know as much as the patri- protagonist you're following. Yeah. Where or I suppose. Like yeah. Panic where, room, something like that. Yeah, like, yeah. it's one perspective. Like, yeah. Like something like Panic Room, there's no mystery, but like they're trapped in this room and the bad guys are outside. To me, that's kind of, that's more of a thriller. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. 
or a lot of, like Christopher Nolan movies, a lot of them are thrillers. Whereas I think Silence of the Lambs to me, I think that like Silence of the Lambs is about somebody who skins people and wears them as clothing and a guy who eats people helping the cops find him. Like that's, a, that's just a horror. Yeah. <laughs> and, or Psycho, people call Psycho a thriller. Like Psycho is definitely just a horror. Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's. Well, okay. We'll put it this way. What what is this is just descended into a completely different conversation, but it's good. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that a, that's I would that is definitely just a horror, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But all the, all three of those movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Psycho, and Sounds of the Lambs, are all based on the same story. Really? Yeah, they're all based on Ed Gein. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. Very different takes on the story, but yeah. And I guess that's why, like, the, the the different take can change the genre. But to me, they're all just horror. They're different types of horror movies, but to me, they're all just horror. No, yeah, I just call them horror, definitely. I, I, I still have a really bad mental block where I tend to, a lot of the time, when someone says horror, I instantly just think of, like, bad slasher movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's... And then I have to remind myself it's such a wider genre and you've got like hammer horror and then you've got like good horror as the three examples you've given. And then you've got terrible slasher movies with Ashton Kutcher in them in the early 2000s. You know what I mean? But this is the thing, like imagine, like because people, Dave, my old housemate Dave, who Shane knows, he he once said like, oh, I hate horror movies. And I was like... Oh really? No, you don't. He's like, yeah, no, horror movies are terrible and all this. And I said, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, no, because you're a big uh, fan of. And I listed out films, and he just like, no, that's not horror. I was like, he's a big Spielberg fan. So I said, but you like Jaws? Jaws is one of your favorite movies. Like, that's not horror. It's like that is definitely horror. Jaws is absolutely horror. For, yeah. Even like Steven Spielberg's biggest influence on Jaws was Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all yeah, the slasher yeah. movies. He just replaced the the slasher villain with a shark. The opening scene of Jaws even feels like Friday the thirteenth. Just a really, <laughs> a really well made version of it. Like it's but it's teens out like skinny dipping in the in the yeah, ocean. Exactly. It's, uh, and you see the you see the point of view of, of the shark. Like it's it's <laughs> Friday the thirteenth or Halloween or whatever. And then like he's also like he he's a big Kubrick fan. He likes the shining and this is the worst. And I said, but you love the shining. Like, the shining is absolutely hard. Shining, it's based on a Stephen King novel, but he, he was like, "No, Shining's a supernatural drama," which is <laughs> the biggest. Is this so a recent conversation? Or? Oh no, this is like ten years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. before uh, he had a PhD in film. Like, <laughs> no, no, I think he had a PhD at that point. He just <laughs> well, it was in film studies, not film making. It was before. Oh. It, when, that's what, all when the more was, reason. <laughs> It should be, but I think you actually learn more from film making than you do film studies. So. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, at least that gets us back to Stephen King, because we mentioned The Shining. <laughs> I was I was about to say list off a bunch of Stephen King stuff, like of that's definitely horror. Like like Carrie is definitely a horror, um, even though it's like a teen drama, and so you know what I mean. It's, yeah, uh, Carrie's an interesting one because it's all all it's almost like. Something like uh, from Dusk Till Dawn, where it's a horror movie at the very end. Yeah. Or if you don't know, if you don't know where that fit, if you've never heard of Carrie before. Yeah. Well, now I can't re- remember the film very well, but in the book, like it's slowly hinted at, like where she starts to use powers, or she doesn't even know if she has them, and like she could be also just mentally ill. So, 
Yeah, that's an interesting one. Carrie is kind of like just Carrie is almost just like a, an origin story of an X Men character. Yeah, because that's it. She's a mutant, and like it's actually in I can't remember in the film, but in the book, there's no. Uh, it's not supernatural. Oh, okay. She's not. Um, she's meant to be. A she's mutant. not like she doesn't have a version of The Shining or anything like that. Like no, I think maybe retroactively he might have changed it, but it was his first novel. Um, yeah. so he hadn't like established a world or anything but there's like um throughout the book there's a few clippings of like reports from a treatment center she went to and it talks yeah. about like a mutation in her brain it's she she is a she's a mutant like the marvel version of a mutant oh, right, okay that's cool i think x-men would have come first though so they didn't copy him it would have been the other way around oh okay yeah because x-men is from the 60s i think yeah like late 60s i'm gonna say 68 69 yeah i think carrie would be like 71 72 or something yeah i don't i don't know don't know if he actually copied it I, it's not close enough that he would have actually copied it but i just wanted to make sure that uh i wasn't implying they ripped off stephen king oh yeah and the stand is the late 80s early 80s uh i think 79 oh wow okay i didn't realize it was yeah that that old um, no the revised version that you would have been that would have been the version you'd have been listening to that was oh, yes. the late 80s yeah, yeah. so almost like um, a decade later yeah like he he updated a lot of like the references and stuff to make it yeah. more modern and i think he had planned to do that again like in the last decade and yeah. then just didn't bother and i think that's where the last episode of this cbs show was going to be in the the third updated version of his book oh yeah it was just a short story about the characters you kind of just wrote and added on yeah uh well so i guess just to get into the show in general what did you think of the cbs version um the first like two three episodes i really liked certain things about it but i hated the way they edited it and did all the time jumping between like everyone's or like is all the characters are introduced very quickly and sporadically and then we quickly get their stories and like the whole virus outbreak is gotten out of the way very quickly like they just want to get you to buffalo and just the community and yeah and then there's new vegas and they just wanted to get you to that point very quickly and then after that there was a couple episodes where very little happened in new buffalo and it was like there was no time jumping anymore and it was just about the characters there and to me that was like oh we're in season two already and it's like episode three you know uh that's what i kind of felt like we were talking about this before we were recording like they could have done like three seasons of 12 to 20 episodes (laughs) and covered the whole book yeah over the next three years like they could have they could have done a game of thrones on it and done a couple of seasons they they easily could have and just to go back to something (laughs) sorry (laughs) choking on my beer (laughs) just because i hope i'm not misremembering the show but new buffalo you mean the boulder free zone right Sorry, Boulder. I said Buffalo. I meant Boulder. Yeah, no, it easily could have been. You you could spread it out to three seasons. It might be, three seasons might be a bit much when like the book's out there and you know half of the viewers know where it's going to end. 
Yeah, like, it's possible. But maybe like two seasons and then, I don't know, I think if I was actually doing it, I might do something like, you know, do three seasons. People kind of know where it's going, but then like I in the third season, I'd start moving quite quickly. And by like ha- the halfway mark, I'd destroy New Vegas and catch up with the book. Oh, and yeah, then yeah. have then have a completely new six episodes yeah and i don't think people would be upset because like you can once you adapt the book you can then sprinkle in a little half a season of a new story yeah because it's a fucking awesome world and that was that was the thing that annoyed me so much about it actually that was probably my biggest disappointment was i just wanted to see more of that world and we got to see so little of it and that's what really excited me about them having the ninth episode. So for people who haven't seen it, the eighth episode of this series is actually where the book ends. And then they have yeah. like an episode. It's kind of like a bonus episode, uh, an epilogue. Um, although it's not really because most of what's actually in that is in the book. Only it's just yeah. a few lines. But but I was kind of excited about that episode because I thought, oh, maybe they will like do something interesting here and then it kind of just didn't it wasn't even, it was actually probably my favorite episode because i was, was gonna really, say the same it was really tense and i like it just felt like a, a stephen king short story which is all it was yeah i i legitimately would happily watch like a whole season that was nearly like that last episode yeah in terms so of I... but like in terms of like the pacing and the just that that tenseness like it reminded me a little bit of um so like a quiet place of like just like or yeah um just that kind of you're in a world where the population has dropped from seven billion to probably like a million throughout the whole world so you you stop at a house and you don't know if there's going to be anyone there or if you're in a town to get supplies and you don't know if you're going to meet anyone and so forth. it's just that tenseness of and then when you meet someone you're like hi are you gonna kill me <laughs> gonna, like, yeah, yeah. and it's like i just think that's a great world to explore it's it's like the walking dead without the zombies um if the walking dead was good um. <laughs> See, the walking dead might actually be good if it didn't have zombies to be honest <laughs> yeah. because the zombies are just thrown in there as like a a device to get the writers out of a hole like this show up when it's convenient yeah. for the plot and the yeah. rules change depending on what the writers want to achieve yeah <laughs> the walking dead would have actually been much better if by the third season the zombies just started to because the population had dropped so much there wasn't any new zombies and the, oh, yeah. the zombies just started to fade out it became a better show if the only threat was that when you die, every time somebody dies, they they could still come back as a zombie. So that was still like a worry. But for the most part, there weren't hordes of zombies. Yeah. And because everyone knows that then if someone dies, you just, whatever, shoot them in the head or smash their brains in or whatever. Like, yeah. Yeah. You just handle it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anybody that's like old, that's a risk that they might at any moment die in their sleep. They have to like handcuff themselves to their bed every night just so as if they die in their sleep there <laughs> that's really funny what a great oh, world you, but, but that's really, but that is what really that'd be the movie. safest thing to do or wouldn't even you wouldn't have to hang but it'd be like there'd have to be something yeah. they'd at least have to lock their door of their bedroom 
because oh, zombies. That's a great short film. We're making that. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess because we, we we're, we're talking about the ninth episode being the best. But for people that may have just this is the first time they're hearing about the stand. Uh, ah, yeah. What do you think the story was? <laughs> <laughs> to quote another podcast. Um, so yeah, the the story, the basic story is that there's a virus called Captain Trips, which is escapes a facility because there's one soldier runs through a, a faulty door, essentially, or just like the, the procedures are just too slow. Yeah. And he gets exposed when there's a virus outbreak in a lab and he runs, grabs his wife and, and baby and just gets in the car and tries to drive away as far as possible and they essentially become like patient zero and yeah they, they stop the, they end up crashing the car in a small town and everyone in the whole town dies except for one guy and that's kind of your introduction to the virus and then very quickly it starts to spread throughout the whole country and within like a month it's very very quickly i think pretty much 99.9 percent of people are dead and it's a really horrible virus and then it's just the story about the survivors that's about as Nin- far as sorry i was just sorry. going to say 99.6 percent to be ah, okay, yeah. yeah yeah um or four sorry 99.4 sorry okay <laughs> um so, which is a lot. So it's it's basically as they keep saying, it's like seven people, seven billion people died. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, and now here's the thing: just to talk about the virus. Yeah. So this all happens in America. It's an American facility. Yeah. The virus moves extremely fast. Yeah. Like it feels like it's a month in the TV show because we see when we see Larry Underworld, Worlds, Underwood. Sorry, Larry Underwood's backstory. Yeah. He's still like gigging. Yeah, and there's yeah. only like 10 people at it because everybody's sick. Yeah, and everyone just thinks, oh, it's a bad flu. And yeah. They're all pussies and this kind of attitude. Well, I guess that must only be a week or two because they're still thinking it's a bad flu. So, and like his mother has it, but she's not dead yet. So that might only be a few days into it even. Yeah, but there's also kind of government cover-ups that it's, like they're covering up like death numbers and things like that so any reports coming out so it's, it's kind of like almost the opposite of what we're in now with coronavirus it's mm. that they're they're trying to hide how bad it is but, because but why was because it's a it, it's a bit unclear but basically it was created by the american government was the virus as yeah. a weapon but what i was getting at is like i know they say it in the in the book and in the show but are 7 billion people dead or has the virus actually gotten to leave the US? Because if it's moving that quickly, yeah, conceivably in this world, the rest of the planet could actually be doing okay if they grounded flights early enough. And quarantined, yeah. yeah. Um, if it moves as fa- that fast, like, but no, yeah. there'd have been somebody would have got it that day and got on a plane the next morning. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, but if it, if it tends, was in the, to, if, tends to kill in sorry. about 48 hours though isn't it well in the in the book the way it works it seems like it takes a few days and like different people react differently to it but the yes, big problem right. the bit the big problem way in the book is that people get really sick for like a few days and they're delirious and then suddenly they wake up one morning and they're fine 
Yes, I'd forgotten about that. And so they they just think they got over like the worst flu and they go about their business and then 24 hours later they drop dead. Then their neck swells up and they die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's explained better in the book how, like, he goes into how it works a bit more and I can't really remember it. But yeah, like there's like a grace period where they're fine for yes. 24 hours and then their neck just swells up. And then in a few hours, they're just, they suffocate essentially. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the grace period thing because I remember this whole, it's it's described it's described really well with um, Franny's father and then yeah, with yeah. Nick, who's the deaf guy when it, the, he's in, he's kind of, in the jail with the sheriff and it's the sheriff's wife has it yeah and then yeah. suddenly she's better and then the sheriff has it and everything like it kind of goes on um which they totally skipped over in the series that's great that, that's a whole yeah, great yeah. story poor nick his character was just hard done by in that series he has like yeah. two scenes in the whole series it's yeah it's terrible i a few problems with different characters but we'll get to that well, we'll get to that in a minute, actually. But um, j- just with the virus, I just wanted to point out that so we're, we're calling it Captain Trips. Uh, a lot of people have a problem with that, that. It's like such a silly name. I think Captain Trips is a great name. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm shocked that in the, what, like 40 years since that novel came out, no psychedelic rock band has taken that name. <laughs> it's a great it's a band great, name it's a great band I hadn't thought of that the Captain Trips is a band name it's great in the in the again can't really remember if it's in the show but uh, it is also called well it's not officially called Captain Trips uh, the project that the lab's working on is called Project Blue oh yeah and they refer to it uh, like its technical name is A48AB or A Prime and A6 or just the blue virus. Uh, in the book, it's uh, like the youth, young people start referring to it as Captain Trips. Oh, I think mainly okay. in New York is where it starts being called Captain Trips. Yeah. And I think the idea behind that is that the guitarist for the Grateful Dead, <laughs> um, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he, he was famous for uh, spiking people's drinks. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> not in the not in the date rape way, but in like he thought it was funny, in, like, yeah. he thought it was funnier. That's how you start a party, yeah. <laughs> and he he was nicknamed Cap- he was nicknamed Captain Trips. Um, I think that's funny. where that's where King got the name. But I think at least what I think the idea is meant to be, it's kind of like a joke because everybody, even though like the government are covering it up, everybody kind of knows it came from a lab because of how it how quickly yeah, it's yeah. spreading and how secretive they are. And I think the idea is that like some captain in the military was carrying a vial with the virus and he tripped on it. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't put that together. That's so simple, of course. Yeah. Uh, that's a, an assumption, or at least how yeah. I, I'd like to think of it. But I think that's, I think that's probably like a general, I, I'm sure that's one most people have yeah, thought yeah. of. Of course, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That's funny. Um, I'm not those people. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Anyone with half a brain would know. <laughs> Unless you're a complete fucking idiot. Speaking of idiots, though, so the characters in the show, that was a bad segue because I guess there's no real idiots. But yeah, some characters, as you, you mentioned with Nick, got a, got a raw deal. 
in this adaption. Yeah, yeah. Nick is probably for me anyway the the main the main yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, because he's a very interesting character, and this is really funny. And it's purely down to because I was listening to the audiobook, and it's down to probably how the voice actor who read the book, um, uh, like voiced it and stuff. But I thought, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, James Marsden's character, um, Stew, Stew, um, James Marsden. For people that don't know, is a clone of Henry Cavill. <laughs> <laughs> when 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 studios can't get Superman for a role, they just get his clone. Yeah, it's like he is. He, he is. And he just... was in a Superman movie. That's really funny. Oh, he uh, was. Yeah, yeah. He was the boyfriend, wasn't he? Lois's yeah, new Lois boyfriend, husband, I think. Um, but he is like, especially in the stand, he is just Henry. Is it Henry Cavill or Cavill, whatever his name is? Yeah, yeah. Cavill. Yeah. But they, they look so much alike. They have the same, like, all-American, even though Henry Cavill's British. But they have that real, like, southern all-American, yeah, nice guy look to them. But but that's his character, is he's, you know, he's the everyman. He's the relatable character. As as I was saying to you, um, he's, he's the sort of guy, like, um, you'd never know, does he, does he vote Democrat or Republican? It probably depends on the candidate. Like he's just, he's just, he's Mister Everyman. He's yeah. he he voted for George Bush Junior twice, but he also voted for Obama twice. Yeah, yeah. And he probably voted for Trump the first time, and then Biden recently. Like, you know? no, no, he wouldn't have voted. For, he wouldn't have voted for Trump. I don't think that. Uh, yeah, yeah. He wasn't fooled by that. Like, he'd have. He he just he abstained. Yeah, he didn't vote. Yeah, in two thousand sixteen. Uh, which is which is which. Now, like in hindsight, seems to be a lot of people didn't vote in 2016 um, for the same way. Because it was, as yeah. Park, Park put it, was, was it a um, choice between a, a douche and a turd sandwich? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the yeah, he's just that kind of real average American guy yeah. like represents, you know, probably 70% of the American population can very much relate to them, relate to him. You know, anyone who doesn't live in either of the three major cities of America, like it's just, that's yeah, his character. Yeah. And, um, but just a good, but a decent, just a good, decent person as well. That, yeah, yeah. But a sort of guy who will open a door for, for a lady when he's going into a shop and, you know, he drives a truck and hunts and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, eats red meat and, sets off fireworks on the 4th of July and you know just <laughs> a lot of the American listeners of this podcast essentially <laughs> yeah people we've talked to on our discord just like <laughs> yeah. very much like Stu Redmond's but um, he's a great character and why I love that character and it's one thing the show got perfect yeah is that he's set up as like the main character he's he's Rick from The Walking Dead if it yeah. was any other book or any other show but then he's just not a main character he's just there yeah, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> well, he does stuff, but like yeah, yeah. he's not—he's not the hero. He's not like—he's not an action hero or anything like that. He's no. just how an actual person would be in that situation. Yeah, yeah. like he's made like the when they when they go to Boulder and set up their new community, he's made like the voice of the committee. But he doesn't really want to be. But like he's just good at it, so they like make him. But he's still like 
Glenn is still writing his speeches. And still, yeah, yeah, who's the intellectual guy? Like a, yeah, yeah. The academic. He's um, just but, a very every man that people trust and who they can trust. So that's why he's sort of put forward as the leader, as the de facto leader. Yeah. But he's not. Yeah, I like it. It's, yeah, that's it. He's, because he's that every every American guy, he's, everyone trusts him. He's, um, it's, uh, but no, what I was saying there, like with listening to the, audiobook i got the impression that his character was much older you know like in in my mind's eye he was like late 50s gray haired a little bit overweight oh, and, okay. and limping around because he has his busted knee and all like all this kind of stuff um but still like your normal guy you know yeah, and, yeah. Um, like is there anything other than the busted knee is there anything that gave the impression that he was older for no you? that's what i'm saying i think it was totally in the voice acting it was, oh, it was okay. just it was just a southern accent that made him sound older you know yeah because um, i think like the the characters they've had play him i think physically kind of fit him because uh you know uh what's it gary sinise mm. plays him in the original miniseries yeah yeah which makes sense um, now that i know what he's like actually you know yeah and because like i can't remember the specific because he, he he's a widower and yeah. he was only married for like two years so you assume he's a young man if he was only married for a few years yeah yeah it was probably the widower bit that i jumped on thinking he was older as well you know kind of. yeah yeah unless yeah because it's mentioned maybe that he's a widower and it might be it might not be until he meets franny that he mentions that they never got to have kids that she died young like or whatever. yeah i never got that far <laughs> i will though now i'm more interested in knowing the full story well and, and i know this is skipping the head to the end but we'll 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 backtrack but the fact that stew isn't even there for the finale i know yeah like that's how like he's just not a main character yeah yeah in fact like franny and stew are set up as the main characters and neither of them are there for the finale yeah i know and i think that's why king wanted to do the the ninth episode was to give kind them of, yeah and pr- particular with franny because i think he always regretted that franny of all the main characters to have the visions of mother abigail she's the only one that never like he, he's commented about it that technically he didn't know what he was thinking and it was just bad writing because the book's called the stand and she's the only character that doesn't get to make a stand in the book (laughs) she's one of the main characters i hadn't thought of that actually it's funny that that's probably my biggest criticism of the series is it's the way they tried to fit the story all together and stuff essentially none of the characters do anything and um flag isn't a threat to anyone and that's my biggest criticism of it is nobody does anything and then nothing happens and there's no yeah. consequences to anything and there's See, no and threat really it's something i thought about a lot watching it because like i was putting stuff together based on oh well this happens in the book and therefore that's why this yeah, person yeah. feels like this but yeah i was thinking does any of this make sense for somebody who hasn't read the book and i guess it does but it, like what you're saying that nobody's it there's no threat nobody does anything i didn't yeah. have that take watching it but because i'd read the book so I was filling in gaps. I was filling in things that were in the book that aren't in the show. But yeah. So I guess you've kind of answered my question. I guess it makes sense for people watching it who haven't read the book, 
as in they know what's happening but it doesn't make sense in the sense that like there's no threat really no like like apart from stuff mother abigail tells them a a guy drives into town and he has been crucified and he escaped but then tells them he's a messenger from like the man and then he has a bit of a uh, exorcist moment and dies yeah and that's it like that's now so just to catch people up in case yeah you aren't familiar yeah. with it so the survivors of the plague uh, a lot of them have this dream of a of an old black woman uh playing a banjo actually i don't think she's playing a banjo or no it's just a guitar no. actually but uh telling them to come to uh older yeah, yeah. Uh, Hammingford Home, is that the... Yeah, it's like a nursing home. Yeah, in in the book originally, it's actually Nebraska and then they go to Boulder. But anyway, uh, I mean, and, and so that's where a lot of them are heading. And meanwhile, Randall Flagg, who is a, a character who appears in different forms in a lot of King novels, he's kind of doing the same thing, only he's, instead of appearing in dreams, he's appearing directly to a more uh, non-savory characters and yeah. bringing them to his own uh settlement which is in las vegas of co- course the the capital of depravity and so that's essentially the part it's a good versus evil thing she's bringing the, the yeah. we just she's bringing the good guys to boulder he's bringing the bad guys to vegas and one represents the devil one represents god yeah that's pretty much the plot yeah um it's pretty smart um and it's it's obviously people whoever's left from the the what zero point six percent of American population. That's yeah, is it is it the same in the book actually? Because that that was the one thing really surprised me is when we do get to see New Vegas in the series, and it's not till episode like four or five. Yeah, uh, that uh, they have a lot more people than we see in Boulder. Is it that flag has way more people, or is that just how it was? done i can't quite remember that yes that's very specific um because to me there's like there's like 100 150 people in boulder and in vegas there's like a thousand people all at a big orgy festival (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. no i feel like there is more in the book as well there is probably more in vegas because it is like they have the entire strip in vegas where as they just have an old like just an old like town like somewhere in boulder yeah and i guess that like it's probably in that world it's probably easier for the devil to find some bad people to come with him than it is the other way around oh yeah but as well he's going around the the thing is like god has a messenger whereas i know it's not not said the flag is the devil but he pretty much is He's going like he's not like just appearing in dreams and leading and telling people come to me. He's actually walking going. up to them and yeah, yeah. making deals and stuff. Like when he meets Lloyd, he he lets him out of prison and makes him his yeah. servant essentially. But he meets him one on one, so you can see how like he'd get more followers than like people just on a whim assuming that this dream means something and actually walking across the entire country. Yeah, <laughs> like like Larry, Larry Underwood. He probably makes is is he, is he the character who probably makes the longest journey? 
I think so, yeah. yeah. He's the last that shows up anyway. He goes from New York all the way down to... Yeah. Yeah, that's a long long walk. Yeah, yeah. I was looking it up and it's Boulder to Las Vegas is like a 12-hour drive and it would take you like three, four days to walk, I think. Oh, okay. I never even thought to look that up. I'm glad you did. Um, Or maybe, sorry, it's about a week to walk, I think it was. Um, Right. It was a couple of days on a bike, that's what it was. Um, but it's only a 12-hour drive. Uh, like, they're, right. like on, on the map of the US, they're quite close together. Like, you know, yeah, where, yeah. Where you think of, like, New York is way up over in the um, northeast, you know, compared to yeah, yeah. Vegas. So, it's the other side of the continent. Like. What did you think of the Larry Underwood character? Um, I thought the actor was great. I thought he was a good character, mm. but it was a weird. Um, but yeah, we, again, we just didn't get enough of him, you know. Um, yes, yeah. he like Nick. He has much more of a backstory in the yeah. novel, and he like because in the novel, in his backstory, like he's a drug addict. Like he has one hit, like he's a one hit wonder and he just fucking goes nuts with it. Like, and he just like everything he makes, it goes up his nose (laughs) and he ends up like, he's all, he's still like, he's just released an album. He's a musician. We didn't even mention that part. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) And yeah, like his album is just, like he's had a single and it's done really well on the radio and the album's just coming out or whatever. And he's already broke. And he, yeah. when he comes back for the album launch, he has to like stay with his mother. Yeah, and I think he might even he might even steal from her at one. Like he's an awful guy. Oh yeah, he steals from her purse to like go buy cigarettes or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. And, uh, and like they kind of brush over all that, but like that's why he's got such a. That's like that's a great arc because like he, and that's why like it's not he's the he's. He like I know he's the last one to show up to Boulder because he's the furthest away. But that's obviously the subtext is that he's not a great guy, so he's the last to show up. Yeah, yeah. Because they're while people. there, he he becomes like he changes and he becomes he he becomes the like he he ends up becoming who you think Stu is going to be at the start of the novel. Yeah, yeah, and he um like that was the other thing. Like in the series, it's just a criticism from like uh thing is like he we see him his like there's an episode which is kind of his episode in a way because there's a studio yeah. the first episode is Stu's episode as it were and then the second episode is um larry's and he um like he goes from being this cokehead who basically steals a whole duffel bag full of cocaine from his dealer who dies of the virus to it just cuts to like five months later and he shows up at boulder and he's got like he's the leader of a huge group of caravan of people and he's sober now and he's fine yeah yeah. and he's a good guy and he's like looking after this kid and oh (laughs) yeah literally i was like wait what (laughs) it reminded me that that happened in the walking dead as well where in like the first (laughs) season you had the two hick brothers and one was like a neo-nazi and the younger brother daryl yeah, yeah, and then like in the second season, out of nowhere, Daryl just becomes the hero. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like, just... wait, what? Where, where was his story arc? And I really liked the character, what they were doing yeah, with yeah. him. But I was like, but you miss you, you like just skipped over all the 
all the good points, but yeah, yeah, he didn't he didn't uh, grow into hero. He was just a hero the next like yeah. next season or whatever. It was like a kid went missing from the group, and he became obsessed with finding her. And I guess oh, that was yeah. kind of like you you were just like obviously that's something from his own childhood. He's thinking about, but we didn't get to see like the thought process or uh, anything to just like gloss yeah, over. Yeah. But it's much worse in the stand because they have like a book with all of that information in it that they could have yeah, took yeah. from. Which is again, like that's, uh, I think, yeah, that's what I think. Like if they did it as like one, a couple of seasons, because one season could have been the whole virus outbreak and all those characters' journeys and the build up, And you could end the first season with, say, Larry arriving at Boulder nearly. Or not even, yeah. Maybe even Stu only arriving at Boulder. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that might be going too far. No, I think La- I think a finale around the time uh, Larry arrives would make sense. But they should they should have just done it like Lost, where like mm. remember in Lost the, fir- the first season, uh, like every episode was just a character. You got their yeah. backstory per episode. That'd have been the way to do it. Yeah, where they tried to cram in way too much i just don't get why they did it that way yeah and he he's not the only like as we said nick who uh, like nick was my favorite character in the book and he has the best storyline and it's even worse that they like reduced him to so minimal or such a small amount of screen time because yeah like he he dies in the the attack yeah i know i was so that was the one thing that surprised me because i didn't see that coming till obviously like five minutes before it happened yeah and that's in the book. That was one thing actually I liked to done in that the the in the book the bomb. So there's one. So there's well, there's two characters in Boulder that are actually with flag. One's yeah. a spy essentially and convinces another guy who's on the edge to join her, and they yeah. launch uh, the an attack to blow up the committee at a meeting uh, in the TV show. It's at a vigil for Mother Abigail because she goes out into the desert or into the woods to do a, like a like a Jesus 40 days in the desert kind of thing. Yeah, she goes on her spirit walk or whatever. Yeah, and they and she's missing, so they're all panicking. But anyway, so they launch an attack to kill the committee and Nick dies. Uh, in the book, they just like plant the bomb in like a cupboard and that's it. But I did like the addition of uh, in the piano because she yeah. tells, the, Mother Abigail tells the story about she leaves the piano top open so as the kids can see what what's happening when you press, when you make music. And I like that moment. Nick's just leaving, and he just sees that the top is down. And he's like, "Yeah, why would it be down?" And, he, and then he just opens it and he sees the bottom. Like, because like as soon as he see, and I, I knew he dies in the book anyway. But I still got like once I saw him walking out, I was like, "Oh, he gets to live in the TV show." I thought it was going to be one of those real sad things where he'd try and run out and warn people, but he can't talk, and only Franny can translate for him, and she just yeah. wasn't there. And I just thought he'd be, he'd be like, oh, no, like trying to warn people and then he'd blow up. This like, might just, be the first time we, we mentioned that Nick is a deaf mute. Yeah, yeah, actually that's true. Um, and did it mention in, in the the show, do they mention why Franny can sign no, language? No, no she okay, in, Yeah, she had a deaf brother in the book. Mm. She just does. Yeah. I suppose you would just put that together. Like if somebody can sign language, you assume yeah, they just yeah. grew up with somebody. But yeah, um, it's 
well, well if we're talking if we're talking about characters that were fucking destroyed uh on the other side back yeah. to new vegas trash can man oh yeah yeah my god what they done to that character it's Sorry, fucking appalling. ezra miller was it That's yeah good. yeah like that, that was a weird choice <laughs> that character's just paranoid and schizophrenic and like kind of mentally disturbed in the book yeah they made him uh like 1970s stereotype of the disabled oh like he's literally he literally like goes and starts clapping at moments in that show like it's fucking hilarious as well because cbs like with the way they produce shows now there's some of the, the wokest motherfuckers out there yeah. As is as is Ezra Miller, from what I know, uh, yeah. they should be fucking ashamed of themselves for that depiction. It was a weird. There was a lot of weird choices in that. Like, and they even and had him fucking like wanking, watching the explosion and stuff. That was just like they made <laughs> they made that character so like it was almost comedic how ridiculous they made him. But it just seemed like it was the wrong tone. It I, I genuinely thought. That's pretty inappropriate. <laughs> like, like they just made him like. But it, but as well, they did this weird thing with the editing. So any scene he was in, they made him going as like the soundtrack behind him. So yeah, yeah. So it was this weird like like it was another voice. Like it was like his he, whenever he's in a scene, it's like he had a voiceover and it's him just going. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was so weird. I wonder how it much reminded- that was just Ezra Miller going, like going full down the rabbit hole of actor method acting, and and then the, the directors were just like, "Guess we're doing it this way now." <laughs> but but what is he trying to do? Like who who's like that in real life? Yeah, I don't know like, what it was. It's, yeah, I I just I thought that was really bad. It, it was fucking terrible. ruined that character. That's the main. That is like the entire the entire story relies on that character as well and he has about in total yeah i'd say maybe he if he's in if he's in it for 10 minutes that's yeah generous yeah but i just found it so funny actually because again actually i think the character of tom cullen got uh, treated pretty poorly in the adaption yeah and that that actor is great he's good he was in ours and black and stuff he's really good and yeah i felt like we were gonna get more from him and then we didn't it was just yeah and his i don't think his betrayal of like uh well what what's what's his line what what is he when he when he meets nick what does he what's his line he says development developmental disabled is that it i'm developmentally disabled yeah um i'm 42 years old i'm developmentally disabled. yeah yeah that's uh, what i was it i uh, although well, I may also some of the things I, I I do and say might seem strange to you, uh, please be patient with me or something like that. It's really uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it takes him so long to work out the next step as well. Yeah, that was a great scene. <laughs> and um, but his character is a, a li- like I don't think it's as like offensive as yeah. the trash can one. To, to give an audience, to give anyone who's just watched the show and hasn't read the book or anything, like to give, Nick is a really good example as that is. So, in the so series, can, can you hold that thought for a second? Yeah, yeah. Did, did, just what I was leading to with that. Sorry, is it like that? I thought Tom Cullen got pretty. His character was treated pretty badly in the show. 
as was Nick, as was <laughs> Trash Can Man. It is weird that the tree. Oh yeah, <laughs> the three characters who were treated the worst, who had their back stories completely wiped out and were made into just like parodies, were all people with disabilities. And I just think that's very funny for a network who is uh, pushing like woke messages the whole time. Yeah, they um, there was they got huge criticism again. CBS they got huge criticism in they did in an episode of the new star trek they had in trying to be woke and diverse they had a character in the background just go by in the background in one scene in a wheelchair like on a starship and the huge criticism they got for it was the fact that in previous like episodes of 90s star trek and stuff they had addressed this that people had things like exoskeletons or yeah, there was yeah. advanced surgeries to help with spinal injuries and things like they had an old episode where a character they essentially like clone him a new spinal column and put it into his body and stuff and then there's another character oh, okay. who's, who's from like a really low g planet and she has an exoskeleton to help her walk around in normal earth g on a ship and on a station and stuff um, and was the point the cbs point was, were trying to be woke saying that like well in the future you won't you won't feel uh pressured to to, no, to fix they, your no they didn't even think of it that far they were they oh. were going they released a load of public publications and articles being like look we put a person in a wheelchair in star trek no one's ever done that before <laughs> and then everyone replied going but shouldn't it have been like a hover chair or like some kind of futuristic like wheelchair and then if you were going to do that yeah, why didn't you yeah. give the character a line why didn't you make them a character why didn't you give them some kind of story instead of just making them an extra yeah. in the background and like, you know it's, it's, it's all just virtue signaling last, bullshit like it's terrible yeah the last star wars film having the lesbian kiss boy it was just a cutaway scene that had nothing yeah. got to do with the plot just so as they could cut it out for the china release yeah yeah because <laughs> if they had it in which actually wasn't true or well, maybe not wasn't true that version did like they, they didn't need to cut it out in china but yeah. they shot it that way because they they were worried they might need to yeah and that's like oh yeah you're so woke but like if you're gonna lose a fucking single dollar on it then yeah it's, that's it it's what did they call it Ra- rainbow capitalism yeah I, I i think there was a lot of um producer studio notes on the stand of them kind of going eh, i don't know if audiences are gonna like this and, and but we should like cut clear this guy out and yeah and it's clear that they don't give a shit they're just like well what will walk people swallow up and i don't think walk people do swallow up they're the ones that will call them out on it yeah we've done work for these same type of people like people oh, like yeah. Mar- a market in boardroom who just like like yeah. uh like those pepsi commercials with the <laughs> the jenner kylie jenner whoever remember that pepsi where like it's remember that pepsi ad a few like a year or two ago where it's like it's like a black lives matter riot and she comes up and hands a pepsi to, to one of the cops. i never saw that i've seen like i've seen memes about it but i never actually yeah. saw it and like they got such a backlash they just fucking wiped they scrubbed the internet of the ad because it's such bullshit everybody can yeah. see right through it and that's how i feel like with somebody like cbs where they're so caught up in like well what's the hot issue that we can like 
force into our show to seem woke and they're so focused on that that they don't notice that they've just reduced three disabled characters in like three <laughs> characters that are completely crucial to this to this entire book that are like the three most important characters in the story they've just reduced them to nothing because they were so focused on whatever of uh, somebody go by in the background in a wheelchair <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or a lesbian kiss or whatever yeah they're just really <laughs> They're just concentrating on the wrong things. And Tom Cullen actually kind of had a big enough part, I suppose. Yeah. But Trash Can Man was the big one because so here's the thing. Maybe I don't not sure if you've heard King talk about it. So the idea with the stand is it's Lord of Drinks only in America yeah. using Christian mythology instead of like made up <laughs> yeah, mythology. Yeah. Uh so like Randall Flagg is like Saruman, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Or Sauron. Um, I guess a lot of people talk like the ring. Who, who, what's the ring in the stands? Yeah, yeah, what do you think? No, well, that's quite well. Like, what if if you were to like, what would you think is the ring? Oh, is it? Because it's not at all obvious in the show. <laughs> oh, is it like hope or something? <laughs> like, it's know? the it's the, it's the nuke. Oh, okay. And trash can man is Gollum. Oh, okay, <laughs> but you would never get that from the show. No, because it's like all that that whole story is 10 minutes of the whole series exactly yeah but he is in the in the book he is essentially he's the golem of of the stand okay. so he's like simp like he's a bad he, he's a bad guy because he's working right. with flag but he's very sympathetic because you know that he's just he's deranged and he's obsessed with fire the way yeah, golem yeah. is obsessed with the ring and Call he me wrong up- okay somebody tell me i'm wrong but there's possibly a moment when he's getting the nuke out of the silo that he actually says the line, my precious in the series. And I didn't put that together. And it, they, oh, some, yeah. someone probably in a writer's room or an editing room thought, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> that might be it. Yeah. I, I can't remember if he does. No, because but, it's because throughout the whole, through that whole scene is the soundtrack is him going. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like I haven't heard King say that he's Gollum, but King has said that it was like he he wanted to write the American Lord of the Rings. So, yeah. if that's the case, I would just assume that that was the intention. That like he yeah, is Gollum. Yeah. He just plays like Gollum in the in the book, yeah, and yeah. even the fact that like you know Gollum. In the end of Lord of the Rings, well, he doesn't destroy the ring, but he jumps after it and destroys himself. Yeah, yeah. because he was that like obsessed with the ring. It's kind of the same as the way at the end of the stand. It's Trash Can Man who just destroys everything. Yeah, and it's unclear. Like it can be left open to interpretation. What he meant by "My life for you" was he talking to Flag or was he talking to God or was he talking to the bomb? <laughs> <laughs> what I get from it is that maybe. Like he, he, God, God was using him. Yeah, yeah. That whether my, he knew it or not, that was my understanding. Of it. Um, we get none of that in the show. Yeah. It was um, no, yeah. So I was going to say there just for people to have an idea of like so. In the show, uh, Nick's whole story is summed up in about ten minutes of an episode again, where he's. Walks into a bar, accidentally bumps into a guy, knocks over his drink, and the guy starts shouting at him. He can't hear him because he's deaf. 
and then suddenly the guy just turns around and hits him and starts beating the shit out of him and the guy has some like class ring or something and leaves a mark on his face and it's yeah. the only it's the last thing he remembers seeing is the ring and the thing and then he wakes up in 28 days later slash walking dead style and suddenly the world is empty and the only person alive is the guy who'd hit him and what is it tom is that a, is it yeah, Cull- yeah tom cullen tom, tom cullen i keep thinking tom collins because that's the drink um <laughs> i actually have an uncle called tom collins um and, uh, yeah his joke is that the drink's named after him but yeah uh, <laughs> anyway and then it's the whole scene with him and tom and then next thing you know he's in uh boulder and he's uh mother abigail's uh like right hand man where in the book uh he has this whole story arc where he wakes up in a jail cell and the guys who like there's a bunch of guys attacked him and they're all in jail cell next to next to him and then as he has this whole relationship with the sheriff and he's deputized because everyone keeps dying and all the other sh- deputies are gone and then he ends up like yeah. bringing food to the people who beat him up and it's all about this whole thing and how he's a really good guy and he's just even though he's been yeah, yeah. dealt this shitty hand by god as it were you know and that's, kind of, that's as far as i got on his story arc in in the book and stuff but it's so in-depth and all of it is it's like but but literally yeah instead and actually, in the series he was in a coma for all that and missed it like <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Let me just skip over it because like. you know it'd have been too much effort to have a character who had to write every, all his dialogue on a piece of paper yeah and we're actually i was about to say it but then having said that now that proves that they didn't but part of me had thought at first that maybe they filmed loads that they cut out but clearly the fact that Nick wakes up in the hospital and you've skipped all that story, then yeah. they never filmed it. They never planned it. You know what I mean? No, yeah, no, they definitely didn't. Well, I, I'm not entirely sure with Nick, but I know for a fact, because I was reading an interview with the director uh, in the book, Trash Can Man Never Meets Flag, oh, okay. uh, prior to coming to New Vegas in the book, he befriends another maniac called, I think he's just called The Kid. Yeah. And that guy has had dreams of Flag, but he wants to travel to New Vegas and kill Flag oh, okay. and take over himself. And he just meets Trash Can Man along the way. That that's where I think the Trash Can Man was kind of a free agent. Yeah. Uh but anyway, Flag ends up killing uh the kid. Anyway, sorry, I forgot where I was going with that. So the point was Marilyn Manson was originally going to play this character of the kid. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And there was scheduling conflicts, so they just cut him out. And once they cut him out, they never recast him, which means they never even shot the other wow. stories with Trash Can Man. So the, the, originally, it seems like they were going to shoot more about Trash Can Man, but all relied on this other character being with him. And once Marilyn Manson dropped out, they were like, okay, fuck it. We'll ignore all that stuff. Yeah. And I imagine that's the same with Nick, that they never even shot other scenes. No, because clearly they planned it that he woke up from yeah the coma or whatever and i think with a tv show generally there's very generally with tv there's very few deleted scenes because you shoot yeah. them to be the length of the the hour or whatever the tv block is yeah it's not, not like, like a movie where you're an editor gets length hands it on it and, yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 um yeah, yeah so like i suppose yeah sorry story-wise it's yeah there's the good people and the bad people and 
um, wasn't explained very well in the series. You might be able to answer this as well. Is um, so Mother Abigail tells them on her deathbed that they have to walk to New Vegas and they can't bring anything, not even like a canteen of water. So they just get it all at the next town. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like, so it's been, I, I have, I've read the book twice, but I read it first when I was like 15 and I read yeah, it maybe yeah. six, seven years ago. So I can't really remember it that well to know like those type of details, but I'm pretty sure in the book they do just walk and they don't bring it. They, they bring like water and some like food to survive. Yeah. But I don't, I think the, it's, it's almost like a religious, um, what's the word pilgrimage yeah 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 it's more about because i think it's actually the idea is kind of it's what they learn on that walk is what uh saves them in the end because i think that's in the book anyway i think that's where larry underwood comes up with the when he's talking to Stu with the whole the bible passage of i will fear no evil that oh, happens okay, yeah. that happens during the walk so when he gets to vegas that's what he remembers yeah yeah cuz so it's that pil- it's that pilgrimage together is what like helps yeah, them yeah cuz the idea it just is- seems to be for no reason they have to walk so they do it like then they get there well i think like there is a bit of that but it's like they have to suffer the walk and learn something on the walk that will help them yeah. fight flag yeah, yeah see and a- another thing that's not really mentioned in the show and it's not mentioned in the book either but you gl- you you assume it from the book yeah. that the uh, flag can't kill any of the chosen oh okay which is why he gets which is why lloyd executes glenn and, and yeah, why he yeah. has an execution for um what you call um uh larry and i can't remember the other woman but yeah because you see like yeah yeah because we see the flag can fucking he can use his magic and fucking just completely like like that guy in the elevator where he just rips him apart yeah but he always has to use somebody else to he has to like trick somebody into killing any of mother abigail's like committee Uh, Uh, so it's implied heavily in the book that he just that he can't he just doesn't have to his magic just won't work on them yeah yeah and it might even i I think he might not even be able to like, he might not be able to touch them. I might be remembering that wrong. Yeah. Cause he's not like, he's not of this world. So he might like not even be able to make contact with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He, he probably can't see them the way you can see the others. Yeah. Um, though he does appear to them at some point, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. He appears to them in dreams and stuff. And like, yeah, he, yeah. he, he, like, I guess they can see each other, but I think, um, I can't remember what, but I think there is something in the book that implies that he can't, like he would, he can't physically touch them or something. Yeah. yeah. And because that's, because that's a big thing is, which is a really important plot in the series is he can't see um, Tom. He can't, he doesn't know. Yeah. He can't detect him. And, and then I was wondering, is it the same with, is it the same with Trash Can Man? Then he can't sense him but then in the series he just does like he summons them there like yeah well well so for people so the sentry spies to new vegas and one of them is tom cullen and because he's um on the spectrum randall flag the devil can't actually he he know he he know in the book anyway he knows all the spies are coming before they even come but he doesn't know yeah. who the third one is uh but i think you might be onto something there that uh yeah that he can't see trash can man either 
because yeah. that would be what you're saying makes sense because he doesn't know the trash can man has the nuke until he shows up. Yeah. Whereas if he could see him, he would know that that was coming. And I yeah, never even thought true. about that until now. Yeah. And in the book, actually more so because in the book, he doesn't send trash can man for the nuke. Trash can man just decides to do it. He thinks that this is a good Oh, idea. okay. Yeah, yeah. Where he actually, in the and series, even, he sends him. Yeah. Yeah. And even in the book, there's even a line when trash can man is taking the nuke out of the bunker where it says like he he knows this is a bad idea but something compelled him to do it Uh, it, obviously it's written better than what i just said which again implies that maybe god played a part in it yeah but what you're yeah i I didn't think about that but that would make sense the flag couldn't see trash can man either because he would know that this guy's showing up with a nuke but he didn't he didn't see that until the very end when everybody else saw it where he can see nick because nick is just physically disabled it's not yeah yeah um, a developmental thing or like okay it's... yeah that's interesting i didn't yeah, yeah. think about that that's good yeah there was a lot i did like um i really liked Stu's character and stuff and yeah pr- probably one of my favorite moments in it is when franny and harold meet Stu for the first yeah, time yeah and I just thought it, they just captured it really well. I don't know how, how I haven't, I didn't get that far in the book yet, but how um, I just really liked the idea that like he watched them from afar for a while. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then he decided it was safe to approach them. And then he's just real like being really, trying to be really nice. And he's like, hi. And, and I, the one thing I do like is how everyone introduces themselves as like he's like hi i'm Stu redmond i'm from texas mm. like everyone t- says their full name so it, it, nobody goes like yeah oh, hi i'm johnny from yeah 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 you're like hi i'm johnny you know it wouldn't be instead it's like you're giving your full name and where you're from and stuff but yeah but you would do that you know of course, I mean? yeah yeah when there's only like a few hundred people left in the world or thousand people left in the world or there's little things i liked in the book as well and they kind of do it a bit in the show but not as much but like when they get to boulder in the book and they like set up their their community like the yeah. book goes really into like just the 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 really like the, the charlie work that they need to do oh, like when they try to get the the plant up and running where they have to go around to every house not just in their town but in all the surrounding towns and just make sure all the lights are off because oh, so once pull, the power yeah. Yeah, because once the power comes back on, because people would have died with their lights on, there'll be such a surge that everything will blow. So they have to go around <laughs> and make sure everything's turned off. So the, there's this whole, there's a chapter of them, like of Stu, I think he oversees it, of setting up a team of people to just travel for like a four mile radius and just make sure the lights are turned off in every house. Uh, and I like shit like that. And they do, like they kind of hint at stuff like that in the show. Um, yeah they mention it it's like a it's yeah sad. now obviously you're not going to go into that in a in a live action series or movie it'd be no, very no. boring but in a book it works yeah, yeah. Uh, i do want to say as well as far as characters and casting i think harold might be one of the best casting ever in and he yeah. is exactly he i don't know how to, like that the, the actor that they got for that part that's exactly who I pictured while reading the book. It's yeah. crazy how how he acts and everything. 
it's I don't know if that actor is just so good that he read the book and he was able to like transform into that character or if yeah. the cast and director just found the perfect person but he is exact like that that is the character Stephen King wrote on the page he looks like him he acts like him in every way it's so good that's the best thing I could say about this show that they they nailed that character and weirdly I don't know if his characters even appeared yet in the book for me where I am or if I just didn't remember him because he'd only been gradually introduced you know that kind of yeah yeah um you probably have but yeah he wouldn't have become he's just like the nerdy friend of Franny's or like not even the nerdy younger brother of Franny's friend yeah, yeah. up until by the like he's not important until they get to Boulder in the book so yeah, yeah you probably wouldn't really he wouldn't stick out but he but he is really good he's really well yeah. cast and I loved like they added some stuff to him that I liked like that that the the fact that he he kind of because he's clearly like he's he's an incel essentially yeah yeah but he he's trying to like present himself in a different way in this new world and he's essentially basing his his new personality on tom cruise he has the cut out of tom cruise on his mirror and every morning he just like he he does the pose yeah i am that that was a bit that was one of those things that annoyed me a bit with the the way they did the editing of the going back and forth with people's stories yeah, because especially for him and franny because there's there's this great moment where they come across this guy with the truck and he's just like this like alpha male he's decided he's just going to collect women to rape and yeah harold is just can't stand up to him he's just he just doesn't have it in him at all i think it's a great scene and all but the only thing is, by the time we've seen that scene, we already know that him and Harold and Fanny have already gotten to Boulder. We know, like, so there's no jeopardy at stake at all. It's yeah, almost pointless. Yeah. Um, yeah, it kind of is. It is a really good scene. Oh, I really like that t- about that too, is like the the alpha male guy. He's like, because he, he's, he, he's kind of like that, like hardcore fucking like alt-right kind of character almost where he's like you know this is what the world's coming to like women like her with uh uh beta males like you or whatever yeah it's really funny because you get harold him and harold pre-captain trips probably were on the same message boards (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're the same type of people the only difference is harold was pretending he was like the alpha male but uh that scene actually that's a uh, that i i love that scene well i fucking hate that scene it's really it's a disturbing scene but uh yeah that that's much worse in the book but also it's, but it was just in the wrong place in it's series. in the wrong place yeah yeah we should have but seen in, it in, before like like yeah probably an episode before that in the book it's a, a group of people oh that's hard yeah and, and like it's like more the only reason they kept it was to introduce the other female character, I can't remember her name, who ends up being one of the spies. Yeah. And it's to just show that she's tough, basically. Yeah. No, I think she's introduced, I might remember it wrong, but I think she is introduced the same way in the book. But I think as well in the book, Stu is already with them. Like Stu just doesn't oh, okay. show up out of nowhere in the book. He's already with them. But I think he's just like gone off to... Yeah. They're staying there for the night and he's gone off to get like wood for the campfire or something like yeah, that. Yeah, because the... 
what was I going to say? That was another thing with Harold. Oh, I've forgotten it now. Um, but basically, what what that what's kind of cool about that is that Harold has loads of moments in the novel anyway where he could have become a good guy yeah. if he listened. If he if he just wasn't jealous and if he listened to Sue, that's it. Like he could have become the hero. He had all the opportunities to like become the hero of his own story, but he was just too caught up on the fact that he just didn't get the girl that he was chasing after for like 20 years. And he was so bitter about it. That he, <laughs> he became the villain of his story. He had all, he he was given so many opportunities because he, it, it seems like he doesn't start as a bad character and flag doesn't even get to him directly. He needs to send somebody yeah, to get to him. Which implies like that there was some goodness in him, which is Larry, Larry Underwood says that like that, you know, he was still the one that led him to Boulder, like that there was. Oh yeah. Cause he was doing the spray painting signs and stuff. Yeah. Like, like he wanted to break, like whatever about that character, he clearly, when they set out, he wanted people to come together. He had some idea yeah. of doing something good, yeah. but uh, he was just, he was so caught up in his his bitterness from how how people bullied him before Captain yeah. Trips. That he like just he, couldn't let go of that. Like he starts off as like a creepy fucker, but he's also the most sensible character to start. Like his plan is let's go to Atlanta yeah. to the CDC. And then obviously the impression you're given in the series, because they just jump through loads of stuff, is that then his net they go to the cdc and it, there's nothing there so then his next plan is well then let's go to this place and then they go there and like so he yeah. he's really thought about what's the next thing to do or what's the best thing to do and um like basically he's the character who's like he's watched loads of movies and comic books and he's like okay what's the logical next step for us yeah and like he 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 has a pretty good idea of what to do. And then he ends up leading loads of characters who follow his trail and they end up uh, in Boulder. And I, I, see, that's what I like is, about his character is kind of that, good. You see, and that's interesting. And I ne- haven't thought about this until now either. So he's kind of like trash can man where he's kind of a free agent too, because he doesn't have the dreams no, about not Mother at all. Abigail. Yeah. He pretends he does when he hears that others are having them, but he doesn't have the dreams about flag either. Yeah. And that's why flag needs to use Nadine to get to him yeah so he's like trash can so it's like trash can man was a free agent didn't have the dreams but ended up with flag and flag used him but likewise harold didn't have the dreams but ended up bringing people to mother abigail yeah yeah. which is interesting he's been influenced by something like as it were if if god like the idea is that god is pushing people's buttons to make them do certain things like he's one and um i it was one of those moments i really liked where it was um so they'd met like he literally in the context of the series again like so they have that moment where they meet Stu redmond on like in the yard of a farm or whatever and Stu is just like introduces himself and they're like no thanks we're we're good on our own and then it's it's whatever it's that night or maybe even a couple of nights later and he's like tries to kiss franny and she's like oh yeah. no harold and he's like you're thinking of Stu redmond right yeah <laughs> it's, just, it's yeah. so crazy <laughs> and it's like what that one random human that was the first human we've seen in five yeah. months 
like he's suddenly like as if it's like this guy we're seeing and talking to all the time but then the yeah. funny thing about it is he's right because then she ends up with Stu and stuff like <laughs> but but the funny thing is like i think um in real world like maybe she wouldn't have been thinking about him but he's now because his jealousy is implanting that idea as well yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i think when people do that when guys get like do that shit where they get really jealous about somebody and another man that a girl they like might be into or a girl they're dating once they if they if you start like giving somebody shit for something like that you're just all you're doing is implanting the idea that yeah. like well maybe maybe that is a better option <laughs> if somebody was constantly like telling me that you know i'm thinking of this person when i'm not i would start thinking of that person you know it's like saying like don't think of a black wall yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think of a black wall yeah <laughs> um but um i don't know it's like but i think that so you're going no. i was just gonna say i think the character of harold is very realistic though like i think that guy would do that in that scenario he would like he would see her meet this one person on the road and they have a five minute conversation and he would just dwell on that for the next like four weeks yeah like i, I in my life i've met people who are like that like they'll obsess yeah. over something like that i'm sure you have as well <laughs> yeah and when they can't post about it on 4chan, they just say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> to whoever is nearby. Yeah. Um, it's a really funny one. Again, we were talking about it was the the character of the woman uh, Larry meets in New York. What was her name again? Nadi. Oh, sorry. The first woman. Uh, I can't remember her name, but, but uh, yeah. So in this TV show, he meets like <laughs> the insanely hot Heather Graham. Yeah, but in the, in the book, she's like, it's it's not said, I don't think specifically, but it's implied that she's like a woman in her 60s. Oh, I think it's said. I think they say, I think it's, she's the his mother's age in the book. I think it's specifically yeah, yeah. said that she must be his mother's age. Oh, sorry, yeah, you're right. And he meets her in the park and she has a gun her husband bought and she's never fired it and she's practicing firing it. And then they have a walk around the park and a little walk through the city and she thanks him and like kisses him on the cheek. And then it's implied that she's going back and she's like a posh, rich woman who lives in a penthouse. Yeah, she, she's described as being really attractive she, in the, in like when I reread the book a few years ago, I pictured like a uh, Jessica Lang or Lange, whatever her name is, oh. you know, from uh she's the older woman from American Horror Story. Uh, yeah, I've seen American Horror she was in the postman always rings twice very attractive woman uh but like mature oh i know who you mean yeah yeah but that's the type of character that is in the book yeah yeah like a much older beautiful woman and then um and she's like very glam and she's like a fur coat diamond earrings and this kind yeah of, yeah and like upper west side rich housewife and stuff and in the series, she's Heather Graham and she's this like hot, sexy woman and they hang out and then they go like have like a 24 hour fuck fest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're um, looking out the window naked. At, yeah. Like, New York, and, and they're doing like, they're working their way through his stash of coke and stuff. And then they, yeah, yeah. they have this whole like daring escape trying to get away from 
these like uh, Wall Street guys who want to rape her and stuff. And then all I could think was like, for all the stuff they left out from the book, they chose to put that in. Like, it was just weird, yeah, man. it's really it's weird. So and what's really... Did you get to the point in the book where Larry has to go through the like the the, the Jersey Tunnel? I think that's probably like from what I can remember now. I could be further through it, but from what I remember is it was around just after that scene right. where where I stopped listening. Uh, There's a great it, a lot of people that that have read the book will point to it as being their favorite moment. There's just this great scene where Larry has to like go through he's got no other way to get out of New York, but to go through, I think it's called the Jersey tunnel, some long tunnel connecting New York and Jersey. This is Johnny coming to you from the future, just to say that I know it's called the Lincoln tunnel and I just made a mistake. You don't need to message me about it, please. And thank you. And there's something in there. He like, hears like what he describes or what the narrator describes is like a beast. Oh, no way. I might be remembering it wrong, but I think it's like, a whole chapter of the book of him just working himself up to go through it and then he goes through it and then he starts having all these visions and there's just all this weird shit and they kind of do remember in the in, in the tv series version he goes through the sewers yeah and he hallucinates and stuff yeah. and there is a moment where he drops his phone and he goes to pick it up in the water and he feel he thinks something grabs him and he goes a bit crazy yeah, and I guess that's their version of it. But in the book, it's really suggested that there might be something else in the tunnel. Yeah, it was just a really good moment. Yeah, because it was also se- just a. F- Sorry, I was just because in the series, he goes down to the tunnel with her, with Heather Graham, and um, she, she thinks they're crazy. They're going to get lost in the sewer. Like the, the what they're doing is absolutely crazy, and. Yeah. Then um, she goes up to face, to potentially face these like two, three guys who were going to like rape yeah. her and stuff. And then Larry goes off in his uh, hallucination thing. So you don't know how much time has passed. And then he finds his way up out of the sewer and he's like screaming, trying to get out. And then she helps him out. And yeah, it's like, yeah. where did she come from? And it's slightly implied that maybe she just let those guys rape her and then oh god i didn't even think and then that's that's how she got past them but maybe and then because then they they get outside the city that night and then she like takes a bunch of pills and drinks a bottle of vodka although he gave her the gun when she went back up he gave her the gun so maybe oh he did yeah but i didn't i forgot he'd given her the gun Um, but they had guns too yeah but it's just that that night then she kills herself and i thought maybe whatever happened that we didn't see yeah i think you're probably right there because that would why would she come back and help him only to kill herself unless yeah. something bad happened but that's one i definitely prefer the book yeah. version yeah but basically the whole story just made very little sense and then um yeah her her character is totally different they just added so much more to that where there's more interesting things about Larry's character that could have been used over that 20 minutes of screen time. You know? I, I do want to point out something, and it's something you said to me uh, when we were texting about while, while we were watching this show, and I thought, and I, it hadn't occurred to me, and I thought it was pretty funny. But so in the book, Larry is white. Oh, yeah. And in the show, he's black. Completely fine. That makes sense as well, like 
the basis of his character is just that he's a musician, so it doesn't make a difference what race he is. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. you pointed out the fact that by making him black in the show, it means that a black man robbed a blues song from, from a, white a white guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is again CBS. You're you're trying to be woke, but uh, you're going about it in a really bad way. And like um, we said at the beginning, in the book, he's not a good guy. He becomes a good guy. Yeah, but, yeah. and like he becomes a good guy in the show as well. But yeah, having a, a a black musician steal a blues song from a white dude, not a good, not a good look. And now Johnny, a white drug dealer, just to. <laughs> well at least they made him a drug dealer yeah yeah but is this it is it like this is i guess this is why the show failed because like everything seems so surface level for the guy who directed and wrote it and they're not really thinking about anything else yeah there's i don't know i'd i'd love to know i'd love to read like his treatment and then wonder how far away it was from his treatment because of say the studio or whatever you know i i feel like i like the guy he was on about maybe well it's probably two years ago now he was on kevin smith's podcast the director josh boone is his name yeah and like he's just a fanatical stephen king fan okay yeah yeah. so he directed that film the fault in our stars oh really (laughs) yeah and and kevin smith had him on just after that Yeah, yeah and it is a really good interview because it's Kevin, like Kevin Smith's a really good interviewer, especially when he's talking to other filmmakers. And you do get the impression this guy just fucking loves Stephen King because every question Kevin Smith asks him comes back to like Stephen King and he's just trying to ask Kevin Smith, like, you know, if you were to direct a Stephen King adaption, what would it be? Every oh, yeah. question just comes back to that, which just kind of like endeared me to him where he just seems yeah. like he's really into Stephen King. Oh, I just don't think he's very good at filmmaking. <laughs> Seems like a lovely guy, though. It was a good interview. You should listen to it. Uh, yeah. But, like, I, I haven't seen his other stuff. Uh, the Fault in Our Stars, the only thing I've seen of that is that scene where the two teenagers make out in the Anne Frank house and all the other people stand and applause them. And that's the fucking weirdest thing I've ever seen in my I, life. I, again, prove me wrong, but... I I think that's probably in the book. So I haven't read the book, but my wife has. Well, oh, if I was directing that film, that'd be the first thing I'd cut out. How is the guy who cuts out Nick's story from the stand going to leave that in <laughs> in the fault in our stars? Like, how the fuck wrong. do you make? No, I'm sure it was in the book, but like, how yeah, do you yeah. make that decision? Like, if I was directing that film, I'd be like. No fucking way. I am not having two teenagers make out in the fucking Anne Frank house and have all the other people stand and applause to them making out. Yeah, it's because I've seen the film and, and the whole point of that scene is that she has, she's a cancer patient, she has an oxygen dying, tank, yeah. and she's struggling yeah. to get up all the flights of stairs and ladders and stuff. And then it's the, basically like, he's really proud of her and he's like, you're amazing right now. Can I kiss you? Basically is the whole idea. And yeah, but in but the Anne Frank house. Yeah, but they could have just switched it to an art museum or something. You know what I mean? Like they could have switched it to anything. I I I, I could I could accept that. But you know what I mean? Anywhere I could accept that yeah. almost anywhere. But like, yeah, yeah, not in the Anne Frank house. No, like that's just that's <laughs> weird. just fucking yeah. weird. But that like 
If you were in the Anne Frank house and you saw a teenager with an oxygen tank being helped up the stairs and then her boyfriend just making out with her, would you applaud them? No. <laughs> would would anybody? If people started applauding them, I'd probably go. <laughs> what I was going to say was that one character I fucking loved in the TV version of The Stand. It's a character that... So, the gender-flipped a character from the book. There's a character in the book called the Ratman. It doesn't okay. appear in the, in the TV show. Uh, I think technically in the credits of the TV show, she's called the Rat Woman. Ah. The head of entertainment. Yes, she's a great character. She was fucking amazing. She reminded me that is, she is the best version of Harley Quinn that has ever been. On <laughs> That's she, exactly it. Yeah, yeah. She's Harley Quinn. She's like, I know, like a lot of people are really into Harley Quinn since like the fucking movies that have come out recently. But that's Harley Quinn that we've seen in like Justice League or whatever movies she's in. That's not the Harley Quinn that's in like the animated show or no, no, the comics. The rat woman from the stand. That's Harley Quinn. Where like <laughs> I loved it. Like she's like she just appears in this different costumes for her different roles. Yeah. <laughs> like when, for like, for a moment I was confused it was a different actor. Same, you know, or a different yeah. character. Which is um, because she looks totally like I think the first like big change you see is when they're having the trial and she's dressed up as a judge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, like, next thing when Nadine is pregnant and giving birth, and all of a sudden she's dressed in, like, a gothic, like, nurse, a sexy nurse outfit. Yeah, she's like a dominatrix nurse. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, when Nadine kills herself and they send her head to Larry to try and scare him, she shows up as, like, a bellboy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, she just appears as different characters. It's fucking like it's so funny and it's so harley quinn it's so yeah, joker it's perfect. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Uh, she's so good it's that um it's that level of joker that they captured really well in the dark knight where he's dressed as the nurse going around the hospital <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> where it's, and it's not a disguise at all like you know but... i love that depiction of her so much i thought that was that was the best thing they changed in the show yeah yeah it was good and she's, um, you know, Brad Dorf, who voiced Chucky from the Child's Play movies. Oh yeah, she's his daughter. Ah, she appeared I... in the in the last Chucky movie. She was actually yeah. in it. Okay, I meant to actually look her up. She is the actor I thought she was. Yeah, she's in. If you watch, uh, if you watch Dirk Gently. Yeah, she yeah. was in that as um, she's a similar as kind Bart of character the, as well. Yeah, that's why that's why I was convinced. I convinced myself I was thinking she was the same actor because it was a similar character. Like, yeah. she's great. Yeah, I really liked her. In, yeah, no, I really liked just how she showed up in different. Like every every time she showed up, she's in a different outfit to suit that role. What do you think about the character? Was she given that order by flag that you need to be a sexy nurse yeah. for this role? Or was she just doing that herself? Now, that being said, you had some issues with flag, you were saying to me last week. Well, so my issues with flag is that like flag is meant to be this like 
Well, he, he's meant to be the devil, so he's meant to be like this badass, cool character. And I think it's their version is just really outdated. Yeah. Like, he's fucking wearing all denim. Like, when was the last time all denim was cool? <laughs> Probably when the book was reversed. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sense. In the, like, in the book, he... I think even in the book, they might even mention he has a mullet. And, like, that probably was considered cool in 1978. <laughs> yeah. But... The same way, like, having a goatee used to be cool. Like, there was a point where every, like, UFC fighter and every, like, heavy metal frontman had a goatee. Yeah, it was yeah, called 1999. But if you see somebody, <laughs> if you see somebody with that now, you're like, and this isn't, I'm not throwing shade at people with a goatee. I'm just saying, if you see somebody with a goatee now, you just think, oh, you're a dad. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you're not. You're not, like, the devil. And, like, a man with a mullet, Oh, well, he didn't have a mullet in this show. But a man dressed in all denim, that's that's not a very cool look for the devil. It might have been in 1978, but not now. I liked the description you gave me was he should be in a perfectly tailored suit and always carrying a glass of scotch, no matter where he is or what he's doing. I forgot uh, I said that to you. That's a perfect description. But And then all I could imagine was all the scenes he was in, like, especially when he's in the prison and he's getting Lloyd out. Like the idea of like, imagine like Lloyd's in a prison. He hasn't eaten for like over a week, maybe two weeks. And yeah, a man like in a perfectly clean, beautiful, like suit walks in carrying a, a, gla- a glass of scotch with ice that never melts. Yeah. He's just standing there talking to you. You'd or be like, like, what the fuck? Like, or, or even yeah. like he, he drinks some of it and it melts. And then like you just see him holding an empty tumbler and then he just gives it a little shake. And, and it refills. there's ice and whiskey. Yeah, that'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. It's like great. it's like a never ending whiskey. Yeah. Thing. But that should be in, in like in 2020, 2021, that should be how Randall Flagg is. But yeah. they were depicting him as the the nineteen seventy eight version of cool, which is so outdated. Like you see that now, and yeah. you think, like, well, that's 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 a that's boomer cool. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you, you're like, what is this a Levi's ad? But oh yeah, that that's that's the my big takeaway from the TV series is the things about it I liked, I really fucking liked. Yeah, there was stuff I loved in it, but I don't think it yeah. countered. Uh, my sadness for what they left out. Yeah, if that makes sense. And that was probably my biggest, as as I said, is my biggest criticism was that it nobody did anything, and nobody yeah. nobody was ever a threat, and no one was ever no one ever seemed to be really in too much like danger. And then the the good guys, as it were, didn't do anything. Like Glenn, Glenn made a speech of like, why are you so afraid of him? Like you were giving him power by being afraid of him. And then that seemed to cause, have a big reaction with the crowd. But, and then the crowd were all suddenly shocked that um, Lloyd shot Glenn. But yet earlier we've seen them like watching people chainsaw each other in half. Exactly. Like Like they were literally, we we see a, a, a scene of a guy just chainsawing people in a pool and everybody's yeah. just like acting. cheering them on and then suddenly they're upset that lied with you that, that yeah that was and again in the book that's much different because 
uh, Flag is there. It, like uh, Glenn is talking directly to Flag in the book. He calls. Then Flag that's a weird down. choice that they made him not there. And I don't know why you would do that. Like it's weird that they wouldn't do that. Because yeah, in the yeah. book, it reinforces the idea that Flag can't touch God's chosen. Oh, okay, yeah. They seem to have just left all that out. Yeah. Um, and well, Lloyd's quite there. Like, Lloyd, like, I, I fucking hated Like, Lloyd was just like a really annoying character in the show. Yeah. yeah. Like, he seemed like a Jamie Kennedy, you know, that actor. Yeah. <laughs> Even actually, when he popped the button. Funny you, know, you say he, that. Jamie Kennedy. Funny you say that because you were giving out about earlier about Faulkner Stars and he's in Faulkner Stars, that actor. <laughs> Maybe Josh Brune or Boone couldn't just get Jamie Kennedy yeah. for it, so he got yeah. But in, yeah. in, in the in the book I think I might be remembering it wrong, but I think he's more of like a mobster kind of character in the book. So he's a bit the, more him and Poke are they're just these like notorious criminals. They're yeah. they're basically Bonnie and Clyde, but they're two guys, and they're not they're not gay or anything. But they're just these two guys who've been traveling across America, yeah, going on yeah. a killing spree, where they changed his character to that like, oh, he's never shot anyone. He's oh never yeah, because we even get the backstory where he's kind of like forced into, it. or he didn't even do it. He was just with a guy who killed. Yeah, him yeah. Where in the friend. book he's like, he's a killer, but. Poke, who he was traveling with, is like proper lunatic, and yeah. he, like, he'll kill someone who pulls a gun on him. Where Poke just likes killing people because it's fun. Yeah, Basically, yeah. was the difference between them. Where in the series, he's like, oh, "I've never killed anyone before." So Glenn is the first person he's ever killed, but yet he's the leader of the evil people. Like, it, he didn't seem he wasn't evil enough. He wasn't bad enough to be the character he was. Yeah. So then it, there kind of seemed to be like the theme they were going for in this in the series was that like everyone who was in New Vegas was all pretending to be bad. They all liked the idea of, you know, going against the rules and yeah. having lots of sex and like not being monogamous and let's drink lots and have like, do drugs. Just being like, this is how we were naturally meant to be. Almost like hippies yeah, yeah. in a way. <laughs> yeah. Rather than being like, oh yeah, I really, I really want to kill people, or you know, we're we're in the book, like they're all like murderers and rapists and pedophiles, and <laughs> like it's a bit. Yeah, but, well, do or, like in the book, they, in the end, they almost seems more sympathetic, but because there's enough of them that have just been led astray, yeah, by the others that are ultimately evil. Like it's 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 the idea that you know if you have a hundred people. And like ninety of them are just kind of like, you know, maybe a little deviant. But if te- if if there's ten of them that are just fucking evil, they will lead the other ones astray. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a much more fascinating idea that it just takes a, a very a small number of like absolute like filth to uh, lead to people that might be on the on the fence. Yeah, it's the kind one of, way or the other. It's almost like mob mentality. Yeah. yeah. Well, so here, here's the the big question. So, before we get to the end of the novel, what side do you think would call upon you? <laughs> Just an honest answer. If if it was to happen, who do you think would be more likely to call on you, the devil or God? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't know. I I try to be a, a good, decent person. Well, you have no say in it. You you. Exactly, well, who yeah. do you think? Uh, if you were to look just outside of your own life experience, who do you think would be more likely to call on you? Who do you think would benefit from you on 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 their side? God or the devil? I mean. It's a hard question to ask, Johnny, because in my opinion, God's evil, but you know, um, <laughs> um I don't know. Um, well, there's the option. In, in, you could, no, you in, could in, be yeah, a trash can, man. You could be a free agent. Yeah. In, in the context of that universe, I'd say probably the God side or a free agent side. I'd lean towards it. Uh, I think I'd like to be a free agent. I like the idea of yeah, yeah. I think not siding with anybody, but being you, like, I'm okay with being used. I'd rather be well, used. But what's this for a good purpose? Like if if I yeah. if if I am so unlike obtainable to either of these forces, yeah, that's yeah. A, I see that as an absolute positive for me yeah. personally. Which is um, why I think Trashcan Man is the fucking hero of the story. <laughs> <laughs> but that that's why I also really like like Tom Cullen, the idea that he's innocent and then just as a result he's unashamedly good yeah you know what i mean like he, he's just he's just a good person because he doesn't know how else to be in a way you know because because he's innocent because yeah. he he has that kind of child childlike innocence of he believes like good things and good people and, you know yeah, yeah you know if you're nice but to someone they'll be nice back to you and stuff and that's kind of his character and um yeah but again, in the book, I don't think he's as he has a, a somewhat of a better idea of what's happening in the book. I mean, or maybe not much, but he he's he's at least more apt to deal with shit. Like when he finds Stew in the yeah. book, he he makes a cast for his leg and shit and helps him walk home. Like he's got okay. a better idea of what's going on. Yeah, yeah, but then it's probably just because he was raised like that. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> these things we reference a lot of the time. It's he, um, he's like that lad who's who's not gay. He was just raised by his granny. Um, <laughs> a grand boy, uh, yeah, a grand boy. Uh, I love that. You said that to me about twelve years ago, and I've never forgotten it. It's, it's such a true like description of someone. That, <laughs> yeah, so, some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life have been raised by their grandparents. Yeah, <laughs> like that's a that's a good lesson. If you're in a post-apocalyptic world and you meet somebody who was raised by their grandparents, take that they go on your team. Yeah, instantly, you put them. They're leader of your group. <laughs> uh, so, the big question. Do you what, what think? No, 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 no. no. Before, you, before you go on, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you've kind of answered. Sorry, you, you'd rather be, you'd rather be the free agent. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was going to ask you the same question, but you've already answered. Really. Well, if I had the choice, I'd be a free agent. I don't think we'd get the choice, though. That'd yeah, be yeah. up to God, I guess, to decide. Well, okay. Well, here, here's a question. Do you think this is is the stand a religious? Is it a religious book? Funny enough, as far as I had gotten into it, I didn't think that at all. And then, because like Mother Abigail hadn't even been mentioned yet, where I am, yeah. uh, Flag has been briefly mentioned. Of he hasn't even been given a name. So where, as far as I got into it, he's it's just described as the man, and he was walking down the street, and suddenly he felt the power in him made him really happy, and he hovered like 
a foot off the ground, like walking down the street, and he's just like, oh, it's my time now, or something. It's that kind of... Yeah, yeah. And that's literally the only mention of him, as far as I've gotten into the book. So I didn't really know until I started getting into the series that it was this whole, like, God versus the devil thing, yeah. you know? I didn't even know that was part of it. So I was surprised at how much God was mentioned and stuff, especially with Mother Abigail's scenes that she was like actually talking about. Cause I assumed at first that then she was just, she was the good person, but yeah, then I was yeah. surprised that she was a servant of God. You know what I mean? I didn't think that was even going to come up. I thought she was just going to be an old woman with the shining who is good. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was yeah. my, uh, that was my interpretation until she started saying she was a servant of God. And then she's, praying god and she goes on her pilgrimage and all that kind of stuff so yeah i'd say it's quite it's quite influenced by religion yeah like if you didn't know anything about like king i guess you could even read this as being like a christian novel you could put it up there yeah. with, like fucking left behind and shit like that but king's idea was that it's he just wanted to write lord of the rings but using christian mythology yeah which it's a great mythology, even if you don't believe in God. If you're oh, yeah. atheist, like it's a it's a fantastic mythology to set a, a, a story behind. Um, he has said like he he he's very anti religion, but he believes in God. Yeah. yeah, I like the idea of somebody just like yeah. writing an epic story around that mythology. No, it's it's quite mythical in that sense, like the story. So, actually, sorry, this is something I meant to ask you earlier because I was just thinking about it. So it's it's Larry and ray are in the swimming pool and they're filling it with water ray, and they're drowning. I, forgot, I forgot her name and yeah. um so in the series her character is only seems to be there for the fact that they have that moment where they're walking in the street and they're on their way and they suddenly all realize that none of them know how to survive off the wilderness <laughs> yeah right. and then they they mention like oh i don't know how to like tell if water is safe to drink or anything yeah, yeah and they all stop and look at her and she goes oh yeah just because i'm native american you think i know how and then glenn's like well do you she's like yeah but that's not the point <laughs> yeah and then and then she doesn't do anything she's just with larry then she's separated from larry larry talks nadine into basically produced in a dean that she's been manipulated by flags magic and then she kills herself so she doesn't do anything when they get to new vegas and then she just dies with larry and but what really surprised me was the fact that all these characters have traveled across the whole country and you take someone like say Stu, yeah and uh like stew who's you know he's got he he hunts and things like that like he doesn't know to how to get clean water. <laughs> like all these people who've just made their way across America and stuff. It was just, it was just one of those things. I was like, really? You don't know how to get clean water from running water? <laughs> yeah. You know, don't, know don't that. make sure it's clear, like white running water or clear running water. And you're probably okay. And, maybe just boil it beforehand just in case, you know, like that's, that's pretty basic water survival camping skills. Like, <laughs> so, um, do you, do you want to hear the, the last lines? Oh, so, so in the, in the book, the stand, 
the story ends where it ends on the show and then there's a epilogue but i fucking love the last line of the main story oh yeah it's so simple silent white light filled the world and the righteous and the unrighteous alike were consumed in that holy fire (laughs) also potentially everyone dies well no he he does an epilogue where they explain that like some people in both like the the first scene of the night of the ninth episode does happen in the book but it's all epilogue but that's how the main story ends which i think is just such a fucking great way to end this it is great and i'm assuming because in in that ninth episode which is kind of the short film or whatever um or the short story sorry there's the whole reference to um franny's gonna have five children and all this kind of stuff i'm assuming i'm assuming that's all we know about franny by the end of the book is it in the epilogue uh, in the book i don't think we even get that oh okay yeah yeah, yeah I, think I, I assumed that's that. all we got and then he decided to no i think he more. realized that franny didn't get a proper ending so he went back yeah, and yeah. wrote some extra stuff oh yeah i think king actually done that to tie in some other stuff because I, th- I think he's just getting old and realizing that he wants to like make all of his stories work together ah, sure why not well, what did you think of then in the end of the ninth episode where he he rises to the the tribe to the, and so, he has a different name what's he i can't remember his name but that that is in the book that's in the yeah. original one this is what i was saying at the start that uh the ninth episode other than the fact of like her getting caught or of Franny falling into the well, that's yeah. the only part that's new. Okay. Like in, in, in the epilogue of the stand, they mentioned that her and Stu don't really trust that things are going to go well, that eventually yeah. human nature is going to take over in Boulder and people will start like fighting. And so they decide to move across country and they skip over that. And then we go to where they are now and they have like new children and shit and that's where the book ends so like the only like when king said that like oh we're gonna have this new ending it's not a new like it's actually the same as the book only he like had a little dibbles of new things in between where they okay yeah where, where she had an altercation with and i think that was it he he was just like everybody else got to make a stand with flag and he just wanted to write a story where she got to make a stand which is because oh, yeah, he tempts her to that he'll save her and yeah. yeah yeah so shane do yeah. you think you would survive the stand well now don't <laughs> <laughs> um i've now survived covid so um immune to all i think that's uh that'll stand to me anyway I have the antibodies for that. So if there's some kind of mutated version that kills 90% of the population, I might stand a better yeah. chance against it already. And, well, uh, I haven't got anything. Where does that put me? No, you're dead, man. <laughs> yeah, I think um, that makes me like, I'm stew. Yeah, Which yeah. means I do nothing. I just hang around and pretend I'm the main character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, th- I think that's very much kind of an underlining point of it as well, is that you know, it's it's going to be anyone and everyone, you know, and uh, or something like that. Um, I'd like to think I would at least 
make it to Boulder. Now, whether I got any, and then maybe I'd start collecting. <laughs> I could die DVD. on Mother Abigail's doorstep. No, my, my my thinking was I'd make it to Boulder. You know, I'd be nobody special. I'd be helping clear out houses and making sure the lights are off before the power Beyond comes the on. the body crew, and I'd be uh, collecting DVDs so I could open a home cinema, and then the nice young guy I make friends with uh, ends up killing me in the middle of the night one night because I find him <laughs> and some psycho. <laughs> well, I actually did like that in the show, Harold, because remember when Harold's friend kills himself? Well, they kill him, but they pretend he killed yeah, himself. Yeah. And Harold's like, oh, well, he, he wanted to have like a movie night. And yeah. he realized the movie night was for the kids. So was Harold making sure the kids weren't around when he bombed everybody. Oh, yeah. Because Nadine was as well. She was making sure all the kids were in the school. Yeah. And she was trying Which to protect just... Joe. Actually, yeah. Yeah. So it's like they're not ultimately bad, but they've just been led astray. I like that idea. So would you? do you think you'd survive? Uh, I think I would. I'm just not sure which side I'd be on. I, I think I mean, you'd be I'm... there dressed as a dominatrix nurse ready to deliver flies, <laughs> baby. <laughs> or just dressed as whatever you need. Yeah, I'd definitely be like body crew person, I think. <laughs> it's a good place to be. Just living my best life. That's how we survive it. We uh, just stay on the the body crew. Yeah, yeah. Just stay in the background. Just be cool. Well, I guess. Uh, do we end it there? Uh, yeah, we have to. <laughs> I think we have to. <laughs> We're like three hours in. <laughs> yeah. Um. Until next time. M O O N. That spells have a nice apocalypse. <laughs> stay safe and be prepared. Bye.